Now, if you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 1, that's where my text is tonight, <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1. I was really, really relating to our brother talking about his eyes and everything. I've been through that with all of my, you know, my bifocals and different glasses trying to get everything, everything straightened out, you know, for a for a while, I would read my Bible out here, and then I had to read it up here. And uh, in the pulpit, it gets really confusing and so forth, you know. But I like that. Just make up your own words. That's a good. That's, that works. That works for me, especially with the hymns. That's that's great. So for our text tonight, I just want to read, uh, starting here in verse number three of Ephesians chapter one. The Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved. That passage right there is one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. And uh, it's, uh, I say one of because that way I can change that every week, you know. But it's absolutely beautiful and it's absolutely glorious. If you get a hold of what he's saying right here. And he does mention, uh, he does mention there the predestination and foreknowledge. And uh, I'll just say this real quickly. I'm not going to get into, uh, you know, the Calvinist battle here tonight and all that stuff. Uh, but I'll tell you this, one of the problems with uh, some of the deep theological struggles that people get into is they miss the point. In this passage right here, if you read that and you get hung up immediately on predestination and you go off into the predestination world and spend the rest of your life there, you have missed it. And you've missed one of the most glorious things in all of the world. And it culminates in that last verse, and I'll read it again, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. <clears throat> and I'll tell you what, I've been a pastor now for, I think, about 11 years or so, and uh, I'm beginning to learn something. I'm beginning to learn that I'm accepted in the beloved. And you might say, well, what, did you get saved yesterday or something? <laughs> you know, what's wrong with you? I mean, I've known that. And uh, many of you would say, yeah, I, I knew that. And, and yes, I would agree with you. I was saved. I received Jesus Christ as my Savior by uh, putting my faith in him, turning from my sin and asking the Lord Jesus to save me by faith. By, you know, there's nothing I could do, but I could put my trust in him. I did that when I was four years old. I understood that I desperately and had to have a Savior. And I put my faith in Jesus Christ. You know what? I was accepted in the beloved that day. He absolutely loved me. There's another passage I'd like to uh, mention here. Uh, I won't have you turn, but I'll just mention it. Back in 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 3, we have a story of David and Jonathan. Um, in the Bible, we think of David and Jonathan as the, the best friend story of the Bible. And they're the example of the best friends. You know, they're, they're what real friends were all about. They would, uh, they would kind of do anything for each other, that kind of friendship, you know. And in fact, the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 18, it says, Then uh, Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. That's the kind of friends they were. He loved him as his own soul. I don't know if you've ever had a friend like that. And, uh, you know, if you, uh, if you have a wife, hopefully she's that friend. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, we should... It's a wonderful thing when we have a friend 
that we love so deeply, we love as our own soul. Because the Bible even teaches us we don't, you know, I mean, we love our own soul. We, we take care of ourselves. <laughs> so if you have someone you love as your own soul, that is quite an extraordinary thing. And, and David and Jonathan, they loved like that. They loved like their own soul. Uh, you, you know why we're here. We're here visiting, and we brought our daughter Mimi to bring some of her things, you know, and uh, there's a secret there. It also, you know, we have room now in our storage, and uh, yeah, that's why it was worth it. No, I'm kidding, of course, but, uh, you know, we got to come out here, and, and uh, you, you know, we, we drove over a thousand miles to get here, and uh, we got to drove, drive a thousand miles to get back, <laughs> you know, and uh, I'm not patting myself on the back or anything, but you know, you know why we did that? Because of love. If I didn't love that guy, <laughs> if I didn't love Hunter, and if I didn't love Mimi, I wouldn't have done that. And you know, that's one of the lessons of love, is if you actually love somebody, you actually do something about it, you know? And Hunter, I, 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 can, I, I can see it in him. I know, I know what's in his heart. It's one of the, one of the pastoral gifts, kind of. You can kind of sense things about people, and you kind of know how people tick sometimes, and your pastor probably knows things about you. You have no idea he knows. But anyway, <laughs> it's like we just have a, you know, we, we understand this is how people are, you know. We know we're not perfect and so forth, you know. But getting to know Hunter, I can see something in him. And you know what I can see in him? I can see an absolute love for Mimi. I mean, he absolutely adores that girl. Uh, there's nothing he wouldn't do for that girl. I, I know that's true. I mean, for one thing, he had to talk to me, <laughs> you know. And he did that, you know. And it's, a, and it's an incredible love, you know. And many of you, you know, some of us that are older, we, we remember what it's like when we're in the, in the dating or the courtship scenario and we have that love and it's like, it's like, uh, it's unbelievable, unbelievably powerful, you know, that kind of love. And it's a glorious love. You know, if you actually have that love, one of the things we got to learn, and uh, Hunter and Mimi, you need to learn this, okay? And the rest of you can listen as well, so I'm preaching to them. You, you want to learn this. As time goes by, it's, uh, it, the love is still there, but it's not as easy to act like it, you know. And, uh, you know, it gets a little bit tougher. And, and uh, what happens, though, is uh, you'll find yourself, you still have the love in your heart. You'll still adore that girl, but, you know, you might not do everything you were doing before. And I get a lesson from that. I learned something from that. And we see it biblically as well. In fact, uh, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And that, that used to really bother me because I thought, okay, I don't always keep all the commandments. That means I don't love you and that means I'm not saved or something terrible like that, right? That's not what he was trying to say. What he was trying to say is this, if you love me, keep my commandments. In other words, hey, if you love me, act like it. That's all. In other words, do something. I feel it right here, Lord. I feel it. It's like the, it's like the church folks. So I'm with you in spirit. I can't be there. I haven't been there for three months, but I'm with you in spirit. You know, uh, you know the pastor never buys that, by the way. <laughs> you know, and nobody does, really. It's like, okay, you love the Lord. You, you, you want to do something about that. Okay, if it's in your heart, that's, that's good. That's a start. But we're taught, if you love me, do something about it. Keep my commandments, right? And in your marriage relationship, Hunter and, uh, and Mimi, you, uh, if you love her, you show it. Prove it. I mean, literally prove it. 
every day. You could say, well, he doesn't have to prove it. No, he doesn't. But why wouldn't he? And if you're sitting here tonight and you're married and you're in a relationship, okay, if you love your wife, prove it. Why wouldn't you? You want her to know. And by the way, I'm preaching to myself as well. I, I, we need to focus our attention sometimes, refocus our attention on proving it. And it goes for the wife, it goes for the husband as well. So David and Jonathan, they, they loved. Um, you know, another perfect picture of the love, of course, is the Lord God Almighty. You know, at the Mount of Transfiguration, um, when Jesus was transfigured uh, right in front of his disciples, uh, the Lord came down in the book of Luke and he said, and, and, and the voice came out of the cloud and it was God's voice saying, this is my beloved son. You know, that terminology, this is my beloved son. Does anyone here, do you have any doubt whatsoever that God the Father loves God the Son? I, I don't have any doubt whatsoever. I mean, you can see it all through the scripture. And then he made a point to actually tell us that. He made a, he made a, a specific point in front of all the disciples and then recorded in the scripture for us. It's like God the Father is saying, I want you to know that Jesus Christ the Son, he is my beloved. I love him. Now there's an there's a, uh, important point here in getting this. You might say, well, well that's really uh, obvious, you know. So it's almost like why, why would a pastor preach about that? Well, I, I'm, I'm getting to something. I'm getting to a point. But God the Father absolutely loves the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, there's a special word that I, I really love in, in, when you talk about love, and that's the word adore. In my mind, just for me personally at least, uh, the word adore is actually bigger and stronger than the word love. And it's, uh, it's just, it's a, it's a wonderful word, it's a powerful word. The word adore, it's to love in the highest degree, and it's with the utmost esteem. It's like, it's like absolute love mixed with ultimate respect. I adore the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, God the Father, I believe he absolutely adores the Son. You know, in our personal relationships, uh, you know, yeah. Y'all are here looking at me, and I'm, a, you know, I'm this guy from Indiana. I'm just a pastor, and I'm just you know, Mimi's father and so forth. You know? And uh, if I have a message for you, here's a, me here's a message that I, I've really been praying about and thinking, how can I portray this? How can I? The Lord has taught me something. This is our fourth uh, child to be married uh, out of five. And um, so I've been through three other uh, courtship marriages, scenarios, and so forth, you know. And the Lord has taught me something. And uh, here's what he's taught me. These young people, you know what they need from me, both, both Mimi and Hunter. You know what they need from me? At this stage in life, you know, I've, I've taught Mimi, you could say almost everything I could teach her, you know, um, Hopefully, there might be some counseling to go on in the future and so forth, you know. But all the big stuff, you know, it's pretty much our time is uh, done, you know. <clears throat> I could cry about that, but I'm not going to right now. <clears throat> and, uh, but, you know, um, here's the greatest thing that I can give those two right now as a father. Adoration. And I'll tell you something. <clears throat> Between all of you... And between Hunter and I, I absolutely adore that man. 
I absolutely love him. And I love this uh, context right here because I have the chance to say that, you know. If I, if I say it out, you know, behind the barn, it's kind of weird. But up here, I can say it, you know. I can say, Hunter, I absolutely, I don't just love you. I don't just like you. You're not just a great guy. And I tease you a lot. I know that's true, but that's what we do, right? But, but besides all, putting all that aside, I adore that man. And you know what? That's what he needs from me. I have other in-law children and children. I have grandkids. In fact, I have number eight on the way, you know. And by the way, what they say about I wish I had the grandkids first, that is totally true. And so, but anyway, uh, you, know, you know what all of them need from me as grandfather and father and father-in-law? Adoration. They need my absolute love. And that's what I can give them. You know, I, I know there's lots of folks here, and you, you have all kinds of situations, and you come from all walks of life, and there might be some here, and you have some broken, damaged relationships, and you might have some in-laws that, that's broken, and you might have a, a terrible situation, and I, under, I totally understand that. But to the best of your ability, can I encourage you to give that kind of adoration, that kind of love? The kind of love I'm talking about is this, you know... Initially, getting to know Hunter a little bit, there had to be a little bit of dad kind of figuring out, is this guy, is he okay? Is Hunter okay, you know? And I did some asking around, you know, get some references. My son was in school with him for a while. I called him, hey, son, what about Hunter? Tell me everything you know, you know? And I, I had to check him out a little bit, you know, but there comes a point when I needed to set all of that aside and accept him. And you know what I'm not doing now? I'm not like, okay, let's see how you do, brother. You know, well, we'll see. We'll see how this wedding goes. And you better not mess up, man. You know, <laughs> or, or we'll, we'll see, you know. And, and uh, when we came to see the apartment that he's, he's making a place for his bride, you know, I didn't walk around there saying, oh, this isn't right. You know, this. Oh, and that, you know, I'm not here to pick on him. And I'm not here to shred him. And wherever you are in your walk of life, if there's someone in your life that you're supposed to love, but you spend all your time picking on them and shredding them, can I just tell you something? You're not helping them one bit, and you're not helping yourself either. You're not helping anybody. You know what we, you know what we need from each other? We need acceptance. We need to be loved. And we need total adoration. And a lot of times it's easy. Like right now it's easy. <laughs> with, with Hunter, it's easy for me. And I just, I absolutely love the guy. And Mimi, I couldn't say enough. I could go on and on. She is a perfect child. And if you have anything, after years go by and you get to know her better and you find out she's not perfect, don't try to tell me about it, okay? So anyway. <laughs> so I got to move on. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I, I, I want to say this. Um, Back to our passage where he said, uh, um, in verse number 6 of Ephesians chapter 1, to the praise and the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Here's the thing. Uh, he made us accepted in the beloved. You can look at this in a couple different ways, in my opinion. The first way is this. The beloved, the ultimate beloved, is Jesus Christ himself. So if I'm accepted in the beloved and he's talking to us as people in the church, then I believe we are accepted in the beloved. We are accepted in Jesus Christ. Um, but the incredible part of that to me is this, that he's talking to us. He's talking to me and he's talking to you. 
If you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, he's looking directly at us. He was writing this to Christians, to believers, to you and I. He calls us things throughout the scripture, things like you are saints, you are holy ones, you are precious ones. And he calls us accepted in the beloved. You know, we are literally accepted in the beloved. Going back to Hunter and Mimi there for a, for a moment. Can you imagine, okay, how our relationship is right now? Between Hunter and I, what do you suppose our relationship is? You would, you would surmise, oh, your relationship is really good, <laughs> you know. And if you know Hunter at all, you know he's a, a very fine, respectful young man. Uh, how do you suppose he treats me? Well, can I tell you something? I've never experienced more respect from a young man in my life from anybody than I have from Hunter. It, it's absolutely like... Well, I just, I mean, I love him like my own son. In fact, in, in some ways, careful I say this, he's more respectful than my own sons. And why is that? Because we have a bond of love. That's why that is, okay? Now, spiritually, you might say, well, are you just here to talk about your future son-in-law, you know? And uh, that would be really lame because that's not why we come to church, <laughs> you know? So let's get down to a very, very biblical fact and a, a very biblical point that really will help your Christian life wherever you may be in your walk with him. You know, the attitude of the writers of the New Testament is this. You are beloved. You are. You and I. You are beloved. He absolutely loves us. You know, sometimes as Christians, I know it's true, sometimes we struggle with... Uh, um, loving God like you know we we get into temptation we get into rough spots in life and oh I just don't know if I love God it's a struggle for me to love God other times you know when bad things happen we go to a funeral or we go to something else and it, it's terrible and the hard things of life come and we we feel like I just don't feel like God loves me well let me tell you something and it's a message we could all, all of us pastors, we could preach every day of our lives and we never exhaust the extent of the, the need that we have to understand because we don't get it yet. I, I realize and I know that I know I, I I'm sorry, I, I know I don't totally understand yet the depth of how he loves me. Every writer in the New Testament, you see it in Romans, he calls us beloved. In Ephesians and Philippians and Galatians and Colossians, he calls us beloved. I believe it's in every book of the New Testament. When he's not calling us beloved, he's calling us other things like holy ones and saints. Yes, he literally calls us saints. That means holy ones. It's not like you've got to work for that and earn it. You receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you're a saint. You're a holy one. You're accepted in the beloved, and he absolutely, completely, and totally loves you and adores you. I spend all kinds of time, and I know you probably do too, working on, oh, I need to love him more. I need to love him more. And that's true. We do need to love him more. But tonight, for a moment, I'd like to encourage you, just for at least one moment in time, stop and fully accept the fact as deeply as you know how. And understand this. If you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are accepted in the beloved, literally and completely. You might say, well, pastor, I've been a Christian for years, but you don't know what I did last week. You're accepted in the beloved. You might say, well, pastor, you don't understand. I have trouble with my, my husband. I mean, I, I just, you know, we get into these fights. You're accepted in the beloved. 
Well, yeah, but you don't understand. You know, I, I just, I don't read my Bible like I should, and I don't do, yeah, I know you don't do the stuff you shouldn't do, and, and I know you do the stuff that you shouldn't, and all that stuff, I know the stuff. But you are accepted in the beloved. And the fact of the matter is, you know what will drive a relationship, in fact, between a husband and a wife? <clears throat> a, a, a wife loves, apparently, when you study it, 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 it appears to be so, that a wife is reactionary and she loves as the husband loves. She loves him because he first loved us. Boy, that sounds really biblical. We love him because he first loved us and the wife loves him because he loves her more deeply and so forth, okay? So if you think about it, how can this relationship between my daughter and my son-in-law be so strong? Well, one of the things that makes it so strong is that he's already accepted. He's already adored. I'm not waiting to find out. He's not waiting to see. It's already there. And then based on the adoration, we live our life. And he acts like he loves me. And she acts like she loves me. Why? Because of the love that is already there. We spend so much time trying to enter into God's love because that's the human natural way of thinking. We need, we need to spend more time focusing our attention on the fact that I am accepted in the beloved. And, and you know the battles you have, the struggles that you have, whether it's relationship or addictions or whatever they may be, all those struggles of life. When we focus our attention on the fact that the Almighty One, the Creator of it all, the One who loved us with an everlasting love, the One who laid down His life for us, and He loves us so completely and so deeply that there are, there are Christians like this guy that's been saved for 50 years, and I'm still learning how much He loves me, and I'm still in awe, and it gets bigger, and it expands, and it's like I, I, a year ago I didn't know how much He loved me, and I, I understand it better now, and I know because of that that I'm going to understand it even more, and it's so much better bigger than I can even wrap my brain around, that I am accepted in the beloved. You know that what that does with the uh, uh, addictions and the problems and the struggles of life? It makes it a whole lot simpler to deal with. When you realize, oh, why, is it, why should I keep fighting the battle? Because he loves you, and he hasn't given up on you, and you are already accepted in the beloved. He absolutely loves us with an everlasting love. Absolutely. You know, I, uh, I step back and I think, you know, uh, in my life, just a very quick personal testimony and I'll quit. Our time will be gone. Uh, for years, I told you I was saved when I was four years old, but it didn't take a whole lot of time before the wicked one got into my brain and deceived me. And he deceived me into thinking this, that I had to do everything right or I was pretty much worthless as a Christian. I went all the way through a Christian home and a Christian high school. I went to Bible college and I studied, you know, all of that. And I was so deceived, I, today I cannot believe it. And my deception was this. You're not good enough, Joe. You're not good enough. And if you ever get everything straightened out, then maybe you'll be a worthwhile Christian. So I would try. And I would try harder. And I'd try to straighten it all out. And I would think, and what I was really working for is God's love. 
when I had it all the time. And what I finally realized, you know what? <laughs> My position in Christ gives me his love. Who he, what he did for me on the cross. And when I received Jesus Christ as my Savior, he gave me total adoration, total acceptance, where he absolutely, completely loves me. It's not that I do good to get into his love. I do good because he loves me. It's not that I do good to get into the Christ life. I do good because I have Christ's life in me. It's not that I do good to earn the Holy Spirit of God, but I walk in the Spirit, and then I don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So I hope tonight that you will recognize with me how much he absolutely adores you. And when it's hard to really uh, wrap your mind around that and think about it, Think about the relationship of a young love in marriage. And it's a perfect picture, actually, of total love and adoration. They'll function, they'll do well, and they'll treat each other with respect, and they'll, they'll do wonderful things for each other. I'm not trying to earn each other's love so much, but they'll be doing those wonderful things because of their love. So, Lord, bless us now. We thank you, Lord. I praise you. Uh, for the word of God. And Lord, I pray that we would live.